everybody to the 21st ever episode of the West Coast Preps podcast. I am Chris Jackson, joined here by Gregory Morlantoon, and we got a special guest, infamously, infamously known as Mr. Coach Eric Washington Jr. Even I couldn't say it properly out. I, I was trying not to laugh, but how are you doing, Mr. Coach Eric Washington Jr.? I'm great, man. I got my favorite color on today, and, you know, I'm feeling good, excited, you know, to do this podcast with you guys. Orange. It's kind of, kind of like Flaming Hot Cheetos, like one of your receivers really likes. I like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Orange is the hottest part of the fire. Yeah. Orange is the best color. <laughs> on this one. Of course. I mean, of course you're saying that, though. You're a Giants fan. Yeah. Look, what's that three championship? Uh-oh. Yeah, that's right. Three. Nice. What you guys have an amazing ballpark. They do. They do. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm an A's fan, but I've only been to Giants games over the last 20 years. Please don't tell anyone that. <laughs> uh, that's the way it should be nobody wants to go to the coliseum yes they do people do want to go to the coliseum because it's cheap that's why. <laughs> true true <laughs> i mean you, there's no other stadium you can sit behind home plate for 20 bucks <laughs> let's just say that and you get a wild possum running through the crowd <laughs> and everybody runs during the game I, I don't think any other team's got a rally possum like we do yeah absolutely that possum lives there yeah. Oh, no, it does, for sure. They got skunks <laughs> that live there, possums, yeah. moons. They got it all there. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, saw the, I saw a possum there at a game two summers ago. I wonder why everybody in the section next to us was standing up, and it's because there's a possum <laughs> running right there. <laughs> oh, what are those days doing right now? Oh, I think they're losing to the, the Houston Astros. What happened? They were up 4-2. to two. Uh, I so, believe it's 4-4 four, four right now. Yeah, I think because someone needs to get hit by a pitch. <clears throat> <laughs> but you know hey <laughs> i'm rooting for the astros to win the world series because uh of a mistake that was made in reno last year so uh-oh I, you can't I, root for the cheaters I, anyway man you can't do that yeah you can't root for the cheaters no you can't isn't this their I, orange too don't they have I, this um, orange I did yeah. Orange. yeah true yeah all right so just introduce yourself a little bit more and tell us about what you're doing now um, I'm Eric Washington Jr. I'm the wideout coach at James Logan High School. I'm the owner, founder, CEO of Elite Athletes Journey, which is um, we do athletic training as well as mentoring. And I have a seven on seven team um, express, EAJ Express or Elite Express, whichever, you know, name you want to put in front of Express, but we're Express. So that's where I'm at now. Okay. What got you into coaching high school football in the first place? And when did you want to know that you wanted to go into the coaching profession? I didn't. I I really didn't want to coach. I never thought about being a coach. Um, My dad used to tell me it all the time, like, you'd be a great coach. Me and my grandfather, we talk about it. I'm I'm a football historian. So I know about stuff from the 50s, 40s, probably guys people had never even heard of. So I never wanted to be a coach. I was more like a statistician type guy. I really was into the stats and the numbers and could tell you who played in every Super Bowl and stuff like that. Um, I think my first experience, I was at Mid-American Nazarene University, which is uh, the NAIA I transferred to. And um, I got to work, um, you know, they, they run these camps at the universities and stuff and they have their players work the camps and then, you know, you can make money or whatever they give you from it. I don't remember at this time, but 
I got a chance to work with this group of kids and reportedly this was the worst group. And meaning temperament, the kids were really, you know, they yelled at the other guys and they didn't follow directions very well, not coachable at all. And I was able, we did, it was a two week camp and you switched uh, kids the second week. So the first week I had the quote unquote worst group. Then the next week it was another group came in of about 300 kids. I had another, you know, bad group and we won the championship both weeks. And um, the response I got from the parents and the feedback that way kind of took me into inquiring more about coaching. And so then when I came back in 2005, um, I was just at home working, uh, doing litigation support and, uh, a friend, a good friend of mine, Eric Stewart, who started the East Palo Alto Greyhounds, hit me up and told me he wanted to be a part of it. You know, they had two teams, the Mighty Might and the uh, the Mighty Mites and the Tiny Might division. He was starting out with two teams, and he told me he wanted me to be the head coach of the Mighty Mites. And so that's what kicked everything off. And from there, I fell in love with being able to train the mind, train the young mind. And that's what I'm intrigued by, seeing guys go from here over the course of three months to here. And that's pretty much how I got started and got into it. And then, so going off of that, what led you to start your training company in the EEJ? It's something I've always wanted to do. EAJ was something I always, I always wanted to help people. I, I, um, I helped uh, a guy that came behind me when I was at College of San Mateo. His name is Randall Lewis. We call him Buddy. He went to uh, the University of Nevada and played opposite Nate Burleson. And he was transitioning. He went to Menlo Atherton, came up and was transitioning into the receiver position. And I kind of mentored him and helped him. And I saw from there I had a knack. And I always had it, but I just, I was a young guy that was just all over the place. So I never had the focus to sit down, go down, you know, get the LLC, uh, get the insurance, take care of everything I do, and then trust that I could start with one kid. So originally EAJ was Elite Performance 21. And then I changed the name to Elite Athlete's Journey uh, as an acronym for my kid's name. It's really Anaya, Amara, and Jordan. That's what it stands for. And I wanted to give something back to them or leave them with something, that, you know, whenever I pass. And so that's what made me start that. Okay. And then when was that time period when you did officially start your company that you have now? Uh, five years ago, 20, uh, 2014, uh, December 2014. And I started with one client, Malik Johnson, but I had been working with a lot of the kids you already know, we just weren't doing it under a, a, hey, I'm training with EAJ. It was more like, hey, E, can you come to the field with us and show us some stuff to do? So, then just since then, when you started out working with, I guess, one athlete there, how much have you seen just EAJ grow from then to six years later to where you're at now? I mean, man, there's been so many kids come through. I mean, my guys have gone on from, you know, being football players to now they're starting on baseball teams. One in particular, Joseph King, who was a quarterback at Woodside High School, who's now a baseball player for Cal, Cal Berkeley. He originally committed to Washington State. Some stuff happened. He decommitted, and now he's at Cal. Um, I have a few players like that um, that have just come through and people may not even know it. I have a quarterback right now that's um, 
oh my God, I feel so bad. I hope he doesn't see this because I literally just drew a blank. But he's at the University, uh, he's at Arizona State University. And he went to Dalen, Dalen McLemore. And he went to Sarah. So, you know, it's, it's just seeing these guys grow and then the development of my cousin who I mentored his whole career, him turning into the super, a superstar in the NFL. Um, it's, things have just taken off. Yeah, and so, then so what do you guys really focus on when you are doing these training sessions? Uh, it just depends. Uh, my, my specialty is footwork. Footwork, teaching the guys how to uh, be where their feet are, so to speak. You don't want to step outside of your frame. Um, understanding leverage, your body, how it moves, body control, um, being able to have balance and being able to have that quick twitch. That's what my specialty is, as well as playing the receiver position and co coaching the receiver position. So those are some of the things we work on. But going off that, so I know you mentioned earlier in the podcast, also just the mental part of working with the kid. How much do you focus on that of the mental part for the kid? And what do you really do to work on that mental part in a student athlete's mind? Confidence. Confidence is the key to anything. I feel like if you have confidence in anything you do, you're going to be successful at it at, at some form of it. You know, you can have the biggest anxiety in the world to speak in front of people, but the only way you're going to get good at speaking in front of people is by speaking in front of people, you know, so, you know, or public speaking, so to speak. So I try to emulate that. If a guy has something, you know, that he's nervous or fearful about, I just tap into that. What are you scared? Why don't you want to do this? Hey, you can do this, you know, and, and, I, and I, I'm what you call, I love hard and I'm brutally honest. You know, I'm not here as your parent to, to pat your butt and tell you everything is okay. I'm here as your coach to bring the absolute best out of you. And that's what I do. I just give these kids confidence. If you look at kids like Jeremiah Irby, uh, um, Omarion, uh, McCoy, uh, Troy Julie, uh, uh, Troy Franklin, uh, Eric Stewart. It, it, it's all confidence with these kids. They have the talent. They got it from their parents. The DNA is there. It's just confidence, knowing that, hey, when I walk on this field, I'm the best person here. Hey, this guy can't stop me. And if he does beat me, how am I going to respond to that adversity? So those are some of the things that I try to do and try to you know, work with the kids on. And I think that helps. Yeah. And then we've seen you dancing on the field and you're always oh, yeah. laughing and stuff like that. Is that part of your mentality too, is to try and keep it fun and um, really be like you have an infectious personality and stuff like that. Is that part of your coaching job? Yeah. I guess? Yeah, absolutely. It is a game, right? Yeah. True. Games are meant to be fun, right? Yeah. I've never understood coaches. Oh, take it serious. Oh, buckle down. Oh, like what? You can't, I, I can't tell you what prepares you for this podcast. You get what I'm saying? I can't tell, you know, what's going to prepare him. As long as you're prepared, focused within these lines that I'm going to give you guys, then let's just do it. It's a game. It's a game. And if you don't know your stuff, I'm going to sit you and I tell guys all the time, hey, come sit right next to me. Let's have a conversation. And that's not where you want to be because you're not going back into the show. We're just going to sit over here and we're going to have a conversation and you're going to learn from the guys that were prepared, you know? So I, I just love to have fun and I have fun with my kids. I, in my mind, I'm 20 years old. And, and some of that could be, you know, a, a downfall, 
you know, because I'm not always taken as serious as I, I could be. But I just feel like I watch the guys that walk around and want to be old, they end up looking old and losing, you know, their whole charisma and everything that they have. So, yeah. And with it being just obviously a delayed season now starting here with practices in December, how important is what you're doing now, not just technically with these kids skill-wise, but also that mental part of just still trying to keep these kids going and sell that confidence, especially in tough times like these where they still can't play games for another couple months. Yeah, it's, it's football is one of those hard sports. And I tell guys this all the time. It's one of those sports that you literally cannot go out there by yourself and play. You can't. You can do it in every single other sport. Hockey, you could go out and take hits all day. All right. You can take swipes at the net and, and become stronger at striking that puck into the net. Baseball, you can go to batting cages all over the place and make sure that swing is better. You know, basketball, you can play one on one. You can, you know, go get a friend and play. Football is the only sport where it takes a bunch of people to actually get better so you can emulate football, you know, because my training isn't going to emulate football. My training is working on your feet and your body. It doesn't do anything to, you know, it, it, there, there's points that'll help you, but we can't have a... I guess, a full-on practice for you to get an understanding of how the linebacker is going to drop, how the corner is going to play, how that free safety may roll down, roll up, may stack you. You get what I'm saying? So I think it's, I think it's very important that you hone in on those, you know, little nuances and figure out ways to still, you know, play the game. Yeah, and then how important has it been during this quarantine and shelter in place to get these kids active when they're not allowed to be in that atmosphere with the team and stuff like that, just for mental health reasons. Well, it's, it's funny you ask that because I'm sitting in what I call right now the wash house. So um, I recently bought my first home last year and uh, I was just buying gym equipment so I could stay healthy. And um, it's kind of turned into... <laughs> <laughs> the wash house, <laughs> two, two full racks. I got 300 pounds of weight. I got other stuff, bands and everything over there. So when it, when it first hit, I, um, I reached out to a few parents, told them what it is I was going to do. And I told everybody, hey, you can just come over to my garage, you know, uh, spoke with the missus, made sure it was okay. And a bunch of parents donated cleaning uh, stuff and gloves and Lysol wipes and everything. So we had this whole protocol we did. And I literally had kids at my house from uh, eight o'clock, nine o'clock, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock sessions in groups of fours. And so we got better. Okay. And then going back to your coaching career a little bit, just take us through some of the stops you've had in the Bay Area itself at the high school level and how you ended up at James Logan here now. Okay, well, um, I was at, after I uh, coached at uh, the Greyhounds, I then went on to coach for another uh, youth organization in the community, the Mastodons, the uh, Mid-Peninsula Mastodons, or they're the East Palo Alto Dons now. And then from there, I got an opportunity at Woodside High School when a close friend of mine who actually was a linebacker on my high school team at Woodside, he became the head coach at Woodside High School. And he asked me to come over and be the offensive coordinator. 
So I went over there and I was the offensive, I was the offensive assistant for a year and then the offensive coordinator the next year. And so it was a great time. We didn't have as much success as we wanted as a team because um, the zoning has changed and, and started to change in East Palo Alto. And so if you just a little background on that, years ago when Ravenswood High School was shut down in 1974, 76, I believe, they broke East Palo Alto up into four sections. And one section went to Carlmont High School, one section went to Sequoia High School, one section went to Woodside, and one section went to Menlo Athens. So I was a Woodside kid, went to Woodside, my family went to Woodside, both my parents, uncles, everybody went to Woodside. And so I was proud to go there and coach. And I got there, coach, we had, you know, we had, we had some good success, good numbers not as successful as we wanted, but getting back to the point of the zoning, what they did was they took out the bus system and told kids they could all now go to MA. And that's why you see MA as dominant, dominant as they are. And the other schools you don't really even hear about. We don't hear about Woodside as much or Carlmont or Sequoia, you know? And that's because of what MA is doing now and people, everybody's sending their kids to MA. So, um, after I left uh, Woodside, I got an offer to go up to College of San Mateo, which was a dream for me. I went to San Mateo. I was all-state receiver there. I, you know, I played for Coach T, Coach Pollock. You know, I was teammates with a bunch of the coaches that are up there now, or even guys that were under me, that were younger than me, Jason Hardy, Amari Green, uh, Hanson, Sakona, who are all in major roles up there now. And those are my boys to this day. I love those dudes. And so I went up there for a year and I was coaching the H-backs, which is kind of like a fullback tight end position. So we went on and uh, we played for the national championship, ended up losing that game. It was very close. I think it was like 12-9 or something like that at Sac City back in uh, 2017. Um, and then from there, I was being courted by the, the then head coach at Menlo Atherton to come to Menlo Atherton. And I had told him, no 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 told him no for a bunch of years and it just got to a point where my son was starting kindergarten in menlo park and i wanted to be close just in case anything happened and so took the job at menlo atherton and you know the rest is history <laughs> we won state um the head coach stepped down and then another opportunity opened up for me at james logan um, I took the year off last year um, and just kind of developed a relationship with uh, Coach Rick Rodriguez and uh, the defensive coordinator, Eddie Smith, at James Logan. And after that, as soon as their season was over, gave me a call. Hey, coach, you want to come coach? Yeah, I'm ready to go. And we got, you know, we got the show on the road. And that's where we're at today. And kind of a two-part question, James Logan's obviously been really successful for pretty much decades out here in the Bay Area, and Ricky Rodriguez has been successful as well. What do you think's made James Logan such a great program for all these years, just being around it? What do you think's made Ricky Rodriguez such a successful head coach as well? Um, one thing I didn't know about James Logan before getting there was how centrally located it is in that Tri-City area, the Union City, Newark, Fremont area and no Tri-City, and how big the school was. It, I mean, if you walk around it, you literally will get lost. So it's a huge campus. So I, my thought is they had great leadership at the top, and then they were able to get a bunch of kids that they could pick from. 
You know, I mean, you look, they had NFL stars like Roy Williams, you know, and Damian Mackey went on to play at uh, Oklahoma Whitwood. So they've had guys there over the years. I believe Eddie House was there for a year, you know, the old basketball player that went to Arizona State. So they, you know, they were able to bring those kids in. It's a huge area. And I think we're going to get back to that once we start having some consistent success again. And we'll be able to make that Tri-City area look good again. And then the, the second part of that, uh, what uh, Ricky Rodriguez, I think, no, not I think. The reason he's successful as a coach is because he believes in culture. He believes in the culture of what his coaches are going to give the players and what his players are giving to the coaches as well. And, and that's just this, this big family, not everyone have an opinion because we had a meeting yesterday and it was so funny. He said, uh, yeah, just to set the record straight, it stops right here with me. So I, I got the finals, so don't try to go back and forth. And I love that when a head coach has that because then he can't be wavered. But at the same time, he's always open. He'll call you back. It could be late. He, you know, he just had a baby, and, you know, he'll send a text, hey, E, putting the baby down. Hey, what's going on? Can I hit you in the morning, or is it something we need to deal with now? Oh, no, no, no worries. Hit me in the morning. You know, so I think him being just a great leader of men and knowing where guys are strong and keep just grabbing us in. Even during this time, he just grabs us in. I'm pretty sure within the next five minutes, I'm gonna get a text message from him about something. So, yeah, he's just a great leader. Yeah, and sometimes it, coaching is just about leading, you know, the, yeah. the to, to where they need to be. It's not necessarily about coaching. You kind of delegate that thing and hire people like you to do the exact things that need to be done because that's your specialty and then you lead everyone. Um, I think that's what the great coaches do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And you this got a guy. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, coach. What were you going to say? Yeah, I was going to say, you look like you look at the old ball coach with the Patriots and you wonder how do they cycle those coaches in and out and do that because they have one system and they're bought into that system. Things haven't changed with Cam Newton over there now. If you look at the way they're calling the plays, those are the same plays Tom Brady was running. The difference is, is Tom couldn't run out there to that flat. He would throw it to James White. Cam Newton can sometimes run over there or he's going to throw it. Or, he's, you know what I mean? So it's the same thing. The Patriots are doing the same exact thing. And I can't stand the Patriots, but I love them as an organization. And I love what they do for football as an organization. And it seems like, too, that just your coaching staff there, James Logan, is really detail-oriented. And what are some oh, absolutely. Of just make them just so detail-oriented? What are some examples you could have besides just something you've already told us? Um, just like Coach K, man. Coach K is phenomenal. Coach K is a guy that, uh, you know, I came into the meeting, and he, he looks kind of like an IT guy. So you wouldn't think he's a football guy. He walks in a room, and you're just like, okay, who's this? Dude? You're getting ready to give an interview or something? Are you going to interview someone? So, you know, but then he starts talking ball, and it's he's very detailed. He, he'll send you an email. He'll send you a text message. Um, hey, this is what we're going to go through. This is what we're doing today. Uh, Coach Ed, uh, the defensive coordinator. Hey, Ewash, if I'm walking on the field, hey, we're going X, Y, Z today. You know, like yesterday, he called me last night. Hey, E, when do you want to start incorporating man coverage? 
Uh, I'm not the defensive coordinator. Why are you asking me that? Well, e, because I want you to prep your guys so they can get off of the releases. And da, da, da. I'm like, oh, snap. Okay, yeah, uh, let's do it next practice. I'll get them ready in individuals. You know, so those are the type of things that these guys do. And they're always trying to be better. And they're, they're literally a brotherhood. They're, they, they, they go to camps together. If you don't go, I, would, I missed a camp because I had a family meeting. It was a camp in Vegas before... COVID hit and I missed it and I was so mad I missed it but I had already had family plans so but yeah and the whole coaching staff went down there to Las Vegas and had a great time and then you've also worked with guys like Devontae Adams who let's, oh yeah let's get into the Patriots uh, I'm just gonna say that out there recruitment <laughs> <laughs> Makai and Troy Franklin what makes those guys so different and it, what's so special about those guys they, they parents gave them talent. I'm not going to lie to you. They, they all have their different issues. Uh, Devontae firsthand is my blood first cousin. You know, his dad and my mom are brother and sister. And uh, with him, it was more close. I had to beat him up a lot. I had to, you know, physically do things to him to get him going. One quick story was I signed him up for the Nike Open, and it was at Laney College. And this was maybe 2009. And he just didn't want to wake up. He was, we stayed at the, you know, the house together. He was on the couch or something, sleep. And he was just like, no, I'm not going. And I literally cussed him out. And I told him he'd never be good. He'll never be great. And he'll never make it anywhere with that kind of work ethic. Well, he proved me wrong. So, you know, <laughs> and, 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 and those same things apply as well with Makai Blackman. Makai Blackman is a guy that, Makai is 6'1 now, maybe about 180 pounds. Makai, probably up until he was 16 or 17, was 5'8", 5'7". He was always undersized. He was the little runt. I've been knowing him his whole life. So he was a little runt. I've known his mom our entire lives. We grew up together. And he was a little runt, but his work ethic, you know, he comes in town and he'll send me a text message, hey, you at home? All right, man, I got my workout from Colorado. Uh, just lift up the garage all right, cool. Come in, get it going. And then they'll send me a text. Hey, I'm out of here. He come close the garage, you know, and those are the type of things that, you know, we push and, and we try to get to Makai wasn't always there, but now he's at that point and he stepped out and he's become that leader, even on that team and a leader to his group of friends. So, and, and, and as well as there's other guys, Nishan Wright, who's a starting corner at Oregon state, uh, Rajon Wright, Alton Julian, they're all in one big click together. They're called a Dream Team 650 or something, DT 650. And these dudes are bad. Every last one of them could play. They, uh, the, the fourth guy in that group is uh, Dejan Fort, who's at P Portland State. And they have another one who's the only receiver of the group, which is Davion Cox. He played at uh, Aragon and was formerly at CSM. So, you know, and they they just push each other, man. You know, you, you, you kind of, you kind of create this village within a village within a village. You know what I mean? You have your group. Then you have the group that supports you. Then you have the group that supports that group. And all it is, is just a bunch of support going up and down. You can't fail that way. So that's what I think. I know I got long winded with that one, but yeah. All good. We, we like those, uh, those answers. Yeah.
I mean, it's very informative and, and everything you're saying is so true, uh, especially with the support. You know, when you got a bunch of people that support you, yeah. you're not going to fail. You know, you yeah. keep falling and you're going get, to get back up. Absolutely. And then a guy like Devontae is obviously family to you, like you just mentioned. What's it been like watching him grow into the player he is today in the NFL? And what was that moment working with him when you realized that Devontae's got that in him where he can go and make a lot of money someday playing the sport? Well, to answer the second question first, it probably when he was five years old. I literally saw it. I mean, his, his dad was a his dad was on the JUCO US all national team. So he traveled around the, the world, got to play. He went to Kenyatta College. He had a full ride to UNLV. He was actually supposed to, just quick background story, he was actually supposed to be the, the starting point guard for that UNLV team with Larry Johnson and Greg Anthony. Yeah, he was supposed to start over with Greg Anthony. He ended up not going. We don't, it's a family mystery. He didn't go and, you know, but, he's always had the talent. He's always been better than everybody in everything. You know, he, he was a big Michael Vick fan. Everything was Michael Vick. He had Michael Vick's cleats. He had Michael Vick this. He went and got his hair braided like Vick. He wore number seven. And it was him and this kid, TJ Braff. TJ ended up playing high school with him. TJ was a year older than him. And uh, TJ, I believe, went on to Santa Clara and then went and played baseball. And I don't know what TJ is doing now, but he was an amazing kid. He could have played football, too. But they, when they were in youth football, they would take turns at who was quarterback. So instead of taking Devontae off the field, they would just go have him play receiver or running back. And he made this catch over these guys one day. I would never forget. I was at Woodside. And I was there watching. And TJ launched the ball. And he jumped over the kid. And the kid was still waiting for the ball to come down and Devontae was in the air reaching down, pulled it over. And I don't know if he scored or, or if he fell right then, but the catch and the ability to be running full speed that way, stop, see the ball, come back, make that catch. I, just, I told him then, I said, bro, you, you're going you're gonna to be a receiver. And he talked, to, he talked about that story uh, before the Niner game um, uh, this past season, the, the NFC Championship game, he he talked about that. Not necessarily that play, but just me telling him that he would he would be a receiver and he would be a great receiver if he played the position. And then, so, what is it like seeing him? I mean, he's one of the top five wide receivers at least in the league right now. What's it like mm -hmm. seeing him perform at such a high level now? I'm excited, but how excited can you be when you've, you, you've already played this in your mind? You know, it, 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 it's like watching your little brother your whole life and you knew this kid was a, was a whiz at, you know, doing tech stuff. And then he goes on to create this app that the world loves. You're not surprised. You're just like, yeah, he did that like 10 years ago with this other little app that we have for the family, you know? So for me, it's, it's not so much his development in the game, it's his development as a man, as a father, seeing why he did certain things from his rookie year to his seventh year now, putting himself in a position to not only, you know, change his life forever, but change his daughter's life and potentially her kids' lives. So that, that's what I'm most impressed about with him and not letting the fame get to him. He's still the same dude. Like, if I call him at a certain hour, I literally know what he's doing. 
You know, hey, bro, you on the game? All right, let's run one real quick. You know, or, hey, you putting Deja down? Or, oh, it's about this time? Oh, you're reading the Deja? So, you know, it's just that type of stuff. If I go over his house, it's the same routine. I'm going to get my vitamin water, my pomegranate vitamin water. I'm going to eat some food and talk mess to his wife. So, you know, that's, that's our routine. It, you know, much hasn't changed with us. Yeah, and one point to that, too, is uh, pre-COVID, I believe this was mid-February, he showed up to 24-Hour Fitness in Livermore and just started playing hoop. Yeah. I, was, I saw a put-back dunk. I was like, all right, that's not normal. Next thing you know, he's wearing yeah. pro bowl shorts. And, yeah, I was like, he's just, you know, taking pictures with everyone. He's just a cool dude. Uh, that's the only time I've got a chance to meet him. But um, that was pretty cool just to – he was just out there with everyday people playing pickup basketball. He was a phenomenal high school player, too. I mean, he was, yeah. He was a good – he's putting up 20 points a game. Yeah, well, and the crazy part about it was if he was as aggressive as he is today and playing basketball, the basketball player you see him today, he wasn't that in high school. He passed it a lot and was a team guy. If he was a me type guy, he would have went to the NBA. I mean, the guy had a 40-inch vertical. He could windmill dunk between his legs, at, you know, at 16, you know, and I mean, his shot was kind of broke, but, you know. I'll tell him that to this day. Your shot is always broke, bro. You got complete game, but that shot, <laughs> but I can't talk. I can't shoot at all. I can't even shoot free throws. I'm, I'm all football. Hey, everyone's got their skill, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you just got to stick with it. Oh yeah. But it's, you know, it's been, it's been great with him and, you know, just the, the things that we've created you know, in our community. I mean, you look at a guy like Keyshawn Johnson that, that was able to come right behind him and then go to Fresno and do it a completely different way that Devontae did it. Devontae did a red shirt year, two years, NFL. You know, Keyshawn did a red shirt year, four years playing, broke all Devontae records, graduated before his last year, you know, and now he's on the Arizona Cardinals. So it's, you know, it's, if you notice, there's a, a theme going on here, you know, and we have another guy that'll be eligible for the draft this year, Nishan Wright, who's a six foot four corner at Oregon State, led them in interceptions. So it's just going to keep going. Yeah. And then you have some interesting quirks as well. Uh, we've mentioned the Flaming Hot Cheetos. Tell yeah. us more about some of the uh, the interesting quirks about some of the guys that you're training right now. Yeah, yeah. Call them out on the record. Let's 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 talk more about what some okay. of the guys do. Uh, we'll we'll start we'll start with, with with the big dog. Troy Franklin has the absolute worst diet known <laughs> to man. His diet is worse than Chad Ochocinco's. He eats flaming hot Cheetos for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. That's disgusting. <laughs> I've literally seen him eat one thing, and I think it was a bowl of spaghetti his mom made. Uh, if he eats something, he's very and, – and, and it all has to do with because he's allergic to everything. He's literally allergic to life, you know, peanuts, fruits. He, he, he's, who's allergic to fruit? I've never – Like, heard who's, who's allergic to fruit? <laughs> Troy's literally allergic to fruit. Um, <laughs> so he has a bunch of different things. So he, he, he has the absolute worst diet ever. This is terrible. And for him to be now going to Oregon five-star and, you know, all of that stuff is just crazy to think. Um, let 
let me think who else has some pretty oh uh skylar thomas my god <laughs> skylar listens to slow music before games i've never heard of that the closest thing i've ever heard of that is my poly brothers listening to reggae but then i tried it one game and i was just so smooth and felt good that i had a great game so i don't have a problem with that but the slow music no i can't do it i'm gonna go to sleep so he listens to like sam smith uh um but is it Adele? Um, who's the who? Who else? There's a bunch of them, and he'll really jam out to it. So he never gets the ox cord in a locker room. Never. Yeah, he would put the whole team to sleep. I remember the first time you told us this story. We were driving home. We're like, all right, let's put on some Sam Smith. Let's just see like how exactly this works. And we were sad. We started. Oh, honestly, that honestly, that was the saddest night of my entire life. I felt terrible that entire night at home, man. I was not in good shape. <laughs> oh, he, look, he played it in here. I gave it to him. I said, go ahead, play the music. And I just literally sat down and started thinking about just life. Yeah. Am I really where I want to be in life? Yeah. <laughs> Is everything okay with me? <laughs> am I am I having a good day? Do I need to go talk to someone? So I I can't no. <laughs> it's so true though. Like, how are you gonna work out and be like trying to lift two hundred pounds or whatever is not benches and right? And then you got this guy hitting a note, and you're just like, <laughs> oh, that was smooth. That was refreshing. Oh yeah, I was supposed to lift this. <laughs> Saying like he's too good at goodbyes or you know whatever, right. whatever his right. side, Sam Smith, you know, it's always yeah. to make that music. I, I, learned, I can't listen to Sam Smith ever in my life, especially after that time we heard it in the car. The saddest moment <laughs> of my life, and I'm literally, I wanted to cry. I literally was holding back tears for the next twelve hours. I went to sleep, and I just was not feeling good. <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, I got another one. I just thought of another crazy story, too. So there's this kid. He plays for Menlo Atherton. His name is Johnny Barbie. He does not tie his shoes. He barely even wears socks. But the kid has like these, he has these weird shaped feet. So they're super wide. And if you know anything about the cleats now, they're really narrow. So the kid literally comes off the sideline and takes his shoes off. After every... Every single, if he's pulled out of the game, he'll have his shoes off and he's standing on the back of his shoes. And then if you watch him, he'll slide his feet in his shoes real quick and then run in the game. It's the way. <laughs> I'm like, dude, get some new cleats. How has he not suffered like a serious injury? He, this, this Honestly, this sounds like Denard Robinson when he was at Michigan, never tying. Yeah, yeah, that's Johnny Barbie. He does, he takes the, Johnny Barbie takes the shoestrings out. Because he has these wide feet. They're like narrow here and they go wide this way. So he pulls his foot out. He'll even do it in the huddle where he'll do this and stand on the back. And then when they break the huddle, break, he'll step on the back of his shoes, run, run to the line of scrimmage and go. Wow. Yeah. And there's another story you told us about the guy who took off his shoes because it was too hot. So it was barefoot on the, the turf. Oh, yeah, Petalo. Yeah. 
Bethelo, two years ago, this guy. So Bethelo is a guy, he's from Tonga. He came over, transferred uh, from Tonga, came over to Menlo Atherton, learned the game of football, but he had played rugby. Very physical kid. I mean, the guy is like 5'6", five, 5'7", five, and he played defensive end for us. Yes, opposite of Noah Nagali, the guy that's at Washington. And he balled. He was our running back all season. But he shows up to practice one day, and I guess he lost his cleats or it was too hot. I don't recall, but all I remember is looking over, and I'm like, bro, it's like 100 degrees out. Why are you running on this? No, coach, this is fine. It's like being outside. What? But you're going to break your No, coach, I cut better than all these guys like this. And this, this is how Petalo talks. So, and, and, and if you know Petalo, Petalo is like in the drama club. He's, he's like this, he's like this well-rounded young man that just does everything great. He's a great kid, but he's very outgoing. So when he says these things, he's very loud about it too. So you're just like, what? Oh, coach, I'm good. I'm good. My feet are good. Let's go. And he'll just run. So, yeah, we caught, we caught it about halfway during practice, so we told him to put on someone's tennis shoes or some something. We gave him some shoes, but, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's worked out for these guys with the bad diets, the Sam Smiths, the wide feet, the not wearing cleats on the turf. I mean, yeah. I, I can't re- – who am I to question that if it works? Yeah. The or, crazy thing oh. I got one more. Sorry. I, I oh, have so many go. stories. Go. Okay. So you, you guys have heard of Jalen Moss. Yes. Yeah. I'm going to keep this PG. Oh, no. Jalen runs routes as if he's doing some other activities. <laughs> so I, I don't know how to put this and make it. I'm just going to leave it at that. So I'll give you the sounds when he's running routes. And you guys have to listen. He'll be at the RBC thing. He takes off, he lines up, and 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 so he was a freshman on our state team. We pulled him up. He got the game-winning pick against Wilcox. Because I'm always going to give him their roses. So he got the game-winning pick. Great kid. And now, as you guys can see, he has like five, four, five offers. But I told him um, at practice one day, I said, I want you to go through this whole route and do not make a single noise. He's like, huh, coach? I'm not, I'm, I'm not even making noise. I said, shut up. <laughs> you don't hear yourself? I said, go through this entire route. And don't make noise. If you don't make noise, you finish the route, you do not have conditioning. He went through, didn't make any noise, finished the route, and dropped the ball. (laughs) From that point on, I said, you can make as much noise as you want in the route. And you can literally, you can hear him in the game. This isn't like, I'm not trying to exaggerate or make this, because when I first heard it, my back was turned. And I'm like, what the hell is that? Then he ran another route. And it's it's like a crescendo up until he catches the ball. And then once he catches it, it's done. 
So what the heck are opposing DBs thinking when they're hearing this thing the whole time? No wonder, no wonder why he's doing so well because the the guy lining up at crossroads is probably like, wait, what the heck is that? Like, right. Right. Am I am I matched up against Cookie Monster? Oh no, you monkey. Um. So I I guess he has the MVP at RVC now. I think we gotta give him the trophy. Yeah, but I, you guys have to please record it and listen. Oh, yeah. I, please. <laughs> it, it is, oh, my gosh. Yeah. I'm, I'm over here crying right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm not paying attention to the rest of the showcase the whole time. I am standing next to Jalen every drill and every rep and recording every single thing, and we are making a documentary on this. <laughs> this, this is just... You, you, you work with some real characters <laughs> that are really good. Yeah, yeah. So that's, kind the, of like, that's the crazy part is all these kids are insanely good. And yeah. they all have these little quirks that are just absolutely yeah. hilarious. I mean, I guess if you yeah. want to make it in football, you got to have a really weird quirk is yeah. some of the story. Yeah. I would, I don't, I'm not sure I'd recommend some of these things, but they work. They've been proven. I mean, these kids are so, they're so talented, it's crazy. Jeremiah Irby, you guys know him as a DB, but you've never seen him play receiver. And to see him play receiver is a joy unlike no other. But you won't see it, you know why? Because the kid is super competitive. So the first exclusive feed um, thing he showed up to, I signed him up as a receiver. He went to defensive back because, yeah, it's too many receivers and it's only like nine DBs. I'm going to lock all these dudes up and make MVP. That's what he told me before the camp. And that's what he did. I mean, he's he was good. MVP. Yeah. I, literally every single play, both exclusives, nobody can get past that guy. He had so many picks. He's two times better at receiver. Really? Yes. And he can play quarterback. Uh-oh. Yeah, he played only quarterback through youth sports. He played quarterback his freshman year for uh, Menlo Atherton. Yeah. I love watching him play. He, he's just got that attitude. Yeah. He makes a play. He just sits there. He's just like, what, what is this? Like, who are – like, come on. And, I, I love it. And he's such a great young man as well. Yeah. Outside of the foot, he's going to do great things in life. He's just one of those kids where, you know, he's a great person. Yeah. But you got to see him play receiver, though. Got to see him play receiver. Kind of reminds me of like a raise on right a little bit, just with the frame, but he's just so good. He's oh, absolutely. He's got a great attitude at the same time. It's just every single time he's out there without length, you do not want to throw his direction. Oh, no. No. He, 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 he's going to cause problems for a lot of teams over the next two years. Okay. Sure. And then some more fun questions we got for you before we wrap this up. So let's go everybody let's hope hope this is a good answer from everything else you've told us i imagine this will be but favorite home cooked meal oh my favorite home cooked meal oh snap who's cooking it yeah, anybody you you choose yeah. gotta be your uh, i got two okay the missus cooks this um oh man this fettuccine Chicken fettuccine with broccoli, 
deal with the whole, you know, white sauce. And it's, I like mine with a little extra sauce because I like the sauce over here for later when I'm done. You know, I get that bread and kind of go like that, you know. And then my grandmother's meatloaf and red beans and rice. Listen, I don't care if you guys have never had red beans and rice, you're going to come over to my grandma's house and we're going to get some red beans and rice. And okay. It's the best thing. It, it's the best thing ever. And you can have it with or without hot sauce, but her meatloaf and red beans and rice, like I probably could eat that every day. Yeah. Those, okay. are, those, those are my two, two favorites. So I think we're having these red beans and rice and the meatloaf as soon as possible. Greg, Absolutely. That sounds good to you, Greg. Uh, Absolutely. Open up yeah. our schedules. <clears throat> oh yeah. I'll I'll drop everything. Just let me know the day and time. You guys better pull out your books too, because my grandfather's a football buff and he'll challenge you on some stuff. So if you don't have your information down, he might kick you out. Oh boy. <laughs> so, so let's make sure we eat before the books come out. <laughs> there you go. As long as we get that food. Now you're thinking. Okay. That's how you do it. <laughs> Just let us know as soon as the food hits the table and then we'll walk right in and then you know once we kick we got out, you kick out. oh yeah oh yeah let's make it happen okay yeah. and then we got another question who was your favorite athlete growing up and then who's like your Deion Sanders right now? Deion Sanders okay Deion Sanders yeah. isn't he still playing football and baseball yes Deion Sanders yeah I mean he looks like he could still play to be yeah. honest Deion Sanders oh you said right now both. Oh, yeah. okay. It's not Deion Sanders. <laughs> I don't think I mean, Deion is technically in the league anymore. I mean, I mean, I'm saying though, if Deion went out there, he could still ball. Uh, have you yeah, seen that guy out there? He's still got the frame. To, at, at 50, he could do it. He could do is it. He, um, I guess he's your favorite coach then. Now that he's coaching college. Oh, ball. he's absolutely. Oh, he's my favorite everything. But no, my favorite player currently, a former player. Um, Overall, so I have this. I have this category. I've always done this, and I broke it up. I have my favorite quarterback of all time. I have my favorite offensive player of all time. My favorite—I don't know about twelve, but we'll, that's another. That's for another day. Um, and my all-time favorite, and then I have my current. So going down the list, my favorite quarterback of all time is Dan Marino. My favorite wideout of all times is Michael Irvin. My favorite player of all time is Deion Sanders. And then current, Saquon. Really? Okay. Yeah. Love Saquon. I love him. When I, I, I like anybody that I look at, and he looks like a creative player, and I would pick him just off of him walking down the street. I'd pick Saquon to be my running back if he just walked down the street. Yeah, that, that, guy, that guy is freaky. Yeah. His, his workouts are a little – over the top but that's why he's so big and he's so good yeah and he's so and, and we haven't even seen how good he is because he does he's hasn't had the supporting cast whether it was at penn state or in new york right now once he gets a supporting cast oh man oh man yeah like his first year the offensive line was just garbage just straight yeah. off and they've oh, got a little better but they're still not they're still, it's still the same. He's breaking three tackles before he gets to the line of scrimmage. You, you can't yeah. be successful as a running back like that. Yeah. You know? I hope he comes back stronger than ever with the, the ACL. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, at least with CMC, his offensive line, you know, gets after it a little bit. They're a little nasty, you yeah. know. But, yeah, those, those are all my guys. Those are the guys I love and I like to watch and 
you know, I've, I've always loved to play. I like guys with a little edge and a little attitude. I think, I think to be a great football player, you have to have a little edge, a little attitude. You know, I, I'll even look at a guy like Larry Fitzgerald. Most people are like, he doesn't have edge. He doesn't have attitude. I said, have you ever seen him catch a ball over the middle? And watch what he does after he catches that ball. He's not just standing up and throwing the ball back to the ref. He's fired up. He's fired up, whether he's banging his chest or he walks up and headbutts one of the linemen or something. He's, he's pretty fired up. Yeah. So I think you need to have edge no matter what your persona may be to the public. Yeah, I think football is such a competitive game, right? Because there's so much one-on-one -on -one yeah. game in it that absolutely. you have to have that mentality. Oh, absolutely. If you're not saying you're the best, then I, you, you shouldn't play the game. Um, for sure, for sure. You got know. to be 100% into that thing. I don't, know how, I don't know how you couldn't play football and not be competitive like that either. It's just yeah. – I, I don't know how you can't get high. Yeah, I was, I was watching the show today, and they had – it was Marcellus Wiley and the Ochoa guy or whatever his name is on there. And he was talking about being on the practice squad and how he knew in 2013 they couldn't beat a certain team. And I'm like, that's why you were on the practice squad. With, with, with a thought process like that, you knew you couldn't beat someone? No, I, I, I'm sorry. It could be the undefeated 72 Dolphins. No, we're going to go whoop their butts. And Mercury Morris is going to feel this. So, you know, that's my thought. But Yeah, you can't go into a game thinking you can't beat them because then you already lost. Yeah. You really have no chance. You can't go into anything with that thought process, whether it's a lawyer, a doctor, a scientist. You cannot go in there with the thought process of that, you, oh, this is impossible. <laughs> so yeah. impossible has possible in it. It literally says it, I'm possible, you know? So. Yeah, that was, but I mean, what, what a great podcast it was with Mr. Coach Eric Washington Jr., Sam Smith, hot flaming hot Cheetos, weird sounds on the football field that I can't quite explain. Hopefully I can on November 7th, I'll get back to you on that. And I'll, I'll give you my thoughts on that. I think that'll be our entire podcast. The next day is just thoughts on what Jalen Moss is doing out there. I mean, it's worked. He's got offers more are going to come, but it's, it's always a good time with the man, Mr. Coach Eric Washington, Jr. Thanks so much to him for coming on. It's always a pleasure. We can't wait to see him coach out there at the RBC Showcase there on November 7th with Brandon Younger and that entire staff. Until then, check out all of our work at westcoastpreps.com. Subscribe to our YouTube page and check out all of our podcasts, highlights, interviews, and more. And follow us on social media at West Coast Preps on their store. I'm gone.